I'm Megan King. And I'm Sydney Bordignaw, and this is The Curve. Welcome to The Curve, a Canadian-born podcast series following the latest on the COVID-19 crisis. Each episode will look at the indirect effects that this pandemic has had on Canada and the world. Due to social distancing regulations during the pandemic, all interviews have been recorded via Zoom or phone call. This may affect the audio quality of certain interviews. We believe that this accurately reflects the daily challenges of working from home that many Canadians are facing during this time. On today's episode, we discuss how the pandemic is further impacting the health and well-being of Indigenous peoples in Canada. Discrimination and oppression have left Indigenous communities with difficulty accessing resources like clean drinking water and proper health care. In addition, these communities have overcrowded housing, inadequate sewer systems, and face food insecurity. Not having proper access to these resources leaves Indigenous reserves vulnerable to infection of COVID-19. Uh, my English name is Amanda Myers. I um, am a Martin. I'm a Martin clan. I belong to the Three Fires Medewin Lodge. And I'm Anishinaabe and Métis. And that, uh, that is my other name that I started with is Kete uh, Beshkikwe which means really old buffalo. We had the opportunity to speak with Western University's Director of Indigenous Services, Amanda Myers, about how the COVID-19 pandemic is impacting her and changing her community's interactions. So how we would typically navigate and support each other is usually through ceremony, which we, which we can't do right now because we cannot gather, right? And that's really difficult for people to navigate. We have, I mean, for me personally, there have been three deaths in my family since this has happened. And to not be able to help with and provide funeral ceremony for those people was very difficult and made it, made it harder to, um, to feel like I was doing my best, I, I suppose. And to feel like I was, you know, the feeling of helplessness is not great. So then when you have communities now that are shutting down, with checkpoints to go in and out for the safety of the community. But what that creates is this really heightened disconnection for people. So, you know, the the idea of, of status and status cards under the Indian Act already creates division within community and who belongs and who is on the band membership. And so to then be told that because you're not on the band membership, you can't go take care of your grandma every week like you usually do you know what do you what are you going to do and and that's i would say common for our students you know it's not just a couple of our students a lot of our students have those responsibilities of taking care of people and then when you can't actually access them as their caretaker it's very difficult and there's a lot of underlying politics that have always been hurtful to people but now are really really toxic I would say is the is the best word for it. So when you have relatives in communities where they're sending instead of medical supplies, they're sending body bags. Even if it's not your own community, the how that impacts our young people especially because they hear people talk about that but they haven't seen it yet. It's very disheartening. It's very um you know, I think the situation that we're in right now makes people especially prone 
to things like depression. And uh, when you hear from people or you're in a community where that's happening, the racism within this land that we live on is very becomes very apparent. And uh, that's very, it, it's hard for us to support our students with. Firstly, I'd like to say I'm just so sorry for your loss and, and that you are feeling these things. And what do you think can be done differently, specifically with this pandemic? What do you think needs to happen now? Mm. I think that, uh, and this was the same, this was the same before the pandemic, but I, but I think that, you know, Indigenous people have been asking for the same things for a long time, and that's equity, and to be treated the same way as everyone else, and that's still not happening. You know, I think especially now, it's up to Canadian allies to demand that. You know, if a community doesn't have what it needs, it uh, maybe maybe six months ago, it uh, just needed clean water. Well, now they don't have clean water and they don't have the medical support that they need. We can keep saying the same things. They've fallen on deaf ears for a long time. We really need allyship and support because that changes the conversation. And I think we've seen those things shift uh, I would say in the last five or six years, the impact when allies stand with us is very significant. And the ability for us to better inform Canadians uh, through online spaces has been really helpful with that. I would say given the current situation, we, we, just, we need our allies to keep doing that work and to stay connected with us and to stay informed it's much easier when you have that support. You know, we're still going to keep saying what it is that we need and enforcing those spaces for our voice when we need to, but we really need people to stand up with us and to do that. In, in terms of the pandemic, amongst all the hardships that we're seeing within the Indigenous community, there has been a rise in the violence against Indigenous women since the pandemic has began. Yeah. As an Indigenous woman yourself, how does this make you feel? I hate to say it, but it, you know, it doesn't surprise me. It's, it reinforces what we already know. And I, I hope, I hope that this time allows people to consider, to contemplate what it is that they can change. My daughter's only six. I have to talk to her about those things. Like, that's the reality for our young women and our girls is you have to talk to them about it from the time they understand, you know, the parts of their body, essentially, uh, was the first time that I started to have conversations with her about that and about her safety, you know, her, her physical and her mental well-being. How do you protect that and how do you trust your gut instinct because that's my that's my most important responsibility is to make sure that I'm there for every niece and every nephew and every other child that needs anything whatever it is that they need and you know when I say nieces and nephews those are people that are blood related and are are, are not blood related because the more people that I can help to understand how to have a healthy relationship with themselves, 
and with a partner or or with you know a family member it has a significant impact I know that you spoke about support and wanting to provide support um, especially to women and in general, I know that Indigenous communities do not receive proper media coverage and the coverage that usually occurs is often negative and especially during this pandemic, the coverage is limited. Are there any positive stories that you would like to share about your community that can provide hope or support to others during this time? Yeah, I, I think I, I don't, uh, I don't, you know, powwow dance, my daughter does. Many of my sisters and nieces and nephews and, and brothers do powwow dance. And I think that for us, you know, I, even though I, I have the medicines that I need for us, that gathering and that singing is really important for our peace, for our mind and for our spirit. And what I've seen is, uh, you know, we always tease each other as Indigenous people that you can go anywhere on Turtle Island and you know someone. And it's true, <laughs> like it really is, it's a true thing. And I just have seen, you know, this very national movement and it's connected to powwow and it's really beautiful. And it's, a lot of it comes from, you know, our young people are saying, this is the time of year when we usually put on our regalia and we usually dance or we usually pick up that drum and we go and we sing and we still need to do that. You know, and, and maybe I'm just going to do that in my backyard and I'm going to share that video. And people have been organizing social distance powwows online. Our young people, you, you know, I, I think people are engaging our elders and our knowledge keepers as they've been trying to do. But what I've seen is, uh, you know, we have young people that have a lot of knowledge and they're taking this time to share their voice online. And that's really powerful. So I can see the impact and, and it's kind of a very, very wide and strong ripple effect that's happened. And it's helping to keep people connected and it's helping to keep people to share stories and to share, you know, patterns for sewing or moccasin making or, you know, all those things. And you need those other things to think about during this time. So what, it, what is it that you need to feed your spirit? And they're finding ways to do that. Yes, that's that's amazing. And it's so important to have that type of community and positivity during this time because it's so especially trying for so many. So thank you for letting us end that on a positive note. For all listeners out there, what else would you like them to know when it comes specifically mm -hmm. to your people? I just want people to not make assumptions, I guess. <laughs> That's, that's usually just, just please don't make assumptions, you know, ask, ask the question, even if you're embarrassed that you don't know, I find that happens with people a lot, but a lot of the negativity that happens comes from assumptions, right? Comes from the assumption that, well, it's only Northern communities that don't have clean water. Meanwhile, our three communities outside of London, 30 minutes away, don't have drinking water out of the tap. Just, just don't, don't feed the stereotype right and um try to try to ask those questions in a, a vulnerable way because usually we're really happy to answer you know <laughs> like usually we're it it does uh it and i i would say that that brings me to one other point is acknowledging the the burden on indigenous people to consistently educate 
individuals. You know, take the time to do your own homework, even if it just starts with where you live, what the treaties are, where you are, because the best way that you can help us during this pandemic is to know who we are and what our communities are and what community you are close to. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us today. We've learned so much and we hope the best for you during this difficult time. Awesome. Miigwech. For Indigenous resources, we recommend visiting websites such as the Native Women's Association of Canada to educate and donate, as well as using federal and provincial resources to learn more about your local communities. Indigenous peoples continue to be among the populations most vulnerable due to long-standing health and social disparities in their communities. Additionally, recent research from the Yellowhead Institute shows data discrepancy between community reports of COVID-19 cases and the numbers being reported federally by Indigenous Services Canada. According to their research, there are more than triple the cases reported by ISC. While government funding has been allocated to Indigenous efforts during this time, there is a lot more data transparency and work to be done.